0: Amen. If you'd stand with me all across this place, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter six, verse 48. We will be drawing our text from there tonight. While you're turning there, I just wanna say it is so good to be here this evening. I am so excited to see what God is gonna do tonight and tomorrow, how he's gonna continue the work that he started last night. Because I genuinely believe in my spirit that what happened last night was not just meant for last night. But God is gonna continue the work and bring it through tomorrow night, and he's gonna do some very special things in this house before this meeting concludes. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Before I begin, I'd like to just give honor to Pastor Bland. Thank you for the invitation to Brother Fosdick. Uh, Thank you so much for all of your hard work and your effort in making this event happen. To every volunteer, every staff member of the sanctuary, thank you because we know without you Events like this are not possible. And I think I speak for every student here. We are glad that we are having a meeting this weekend. Amen. And I'm also incredibly honored tonight to share this pulpit with a man that I respect greatly, who I have gotten to spend a lot of time in the classroom with, Brother Cressman. I honor you. And I thank you for your influence, not only on my life, but on the lives of countless apostolic young people who are going to be the future ministers of the United Pentecostal Church International. I honor you tonight. Luke chapter 6, verse 48, if you've got it, say amen. amen. If you're reading on the screen, say I'm cheating. That's what I thought. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. For a few short moments tonight, I just wanna to preach to you about a foundation you can build on. Look at somebody and say, I'm building. You can be seated. Brother Avan, I tell you what, you keep playing that organ, I might have to preach a little bit. I'm telling you that's a good way to get a preacher going. I've only got 10 minutes, so you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to chill out a little bit. That's great. <laughs> During my life, I've been able to be on various different construction sites, and through that time, I've even gotten to help build some of those buildings. And one thing, Pastor Bland, that I've learned in the process of building a structure is that one of the most vital parts of the entire building is the foundation. I've learned that a building is only as secure as its foundation allows it to be, therefore, there must be a great emphasis placed in the engineering process on the foundation. Here's what an engineer had to say about the importance of a strong foundation. He said, the strength of a building lies in its foundation. The main purpose of the foundation is to hold the structure above it and to keep it upright. On the contrary, a poorly constructed foundation can be dangerous not only to the occupants, but to the neighborhood around it. With high-rise buildings touching the sky these days, it has become all the more important to have, watch what he says here, I'm pretty sure he's a preacher on the side. He said, it's all the more important to have powerful foundations. Therefore, it is highly essential to consider the quality of construction. He goes on and says, a foundation plays three major roles in the building of a structure. The first and most basic is that its job is to support the weight and the load of the entire building. The second is that a good and strong foundation keeps the building standing while the occupants of the building are kept safe from calamities such as earthquakes, floods, natural disasters, etc. And lastly, he said, a foundation must be built such that it keeps the ground moisture from seeping in and weakening the structure. Now, I have not driven 500 miles to preach to you about a physical foundation. I have come tonight with one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to emphasize the importance of building a spiritual foundation. Not with concrete or steel, but with prayer, fasting, and the reading of God's word. So young person, that in 25 years, should the Lord tarry, when a storm comes up in your life so large that it seems to blot out the light of the sun, when there's a situation that you're facing that seems like it's gonna kill you, when it feels like the walls are closing in, they're beginning to crumble, When the voice of the enemy seems to be shouting, say that there's no way out, that you're not gonna make it, that you can't do it, that you don't have what it takes, that it's done and that it's over, I'm preaching to you tonight about building a foundation so in those moments you can be confident because knowing that you have a strong foundation set in the ground, you can rest assured that in those moments God is going to speak to you and say, no matter how dark it seems, though you can't see the way out, though you can't see what I'm doing right now, though weeping endures for a night, joy is coming in the morning. My friend, I announce to you tonight, dawn is about to break in your life. I need you to understand that building the foundation is hard. It is not easy. You're going to have to get dirty. You are going to have to put the effort in. You're going to have to dig this thing out for yourself because nobody else can do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. Your parents, your bishop, the preacher that you look at online, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, nobody can do this thing except you. And you are going to encounter some roots that have begun to grow for quite some time, and you're going to have to rip those out. It's not easy. It requires dedication. It requires a ruthless tenacity that no matter what I encounter in this process, no matter what stands in my way, it will not stop me from building a foundation for my life to rest on. There are only two outcomes as the musicians make their way. You can either be the man who built his house on the sand because that was easier And when the storm came and the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house it washed it away as if it was never there in the first place or you can be like the man who built his house on the rock the one who put the effort in the one who decided i don't care what my friends do i don't care what any other influence in my life says or does i am going to put the effort in and build a foundation that no matter what storm hell throws at me i will not bow to the weight of this world because my foundation is set in stone that man did not fall because his foundation was set on the rock and this might sound hard i don't mean it to be but if you just want to play games then that's fine if you just want to go from youth camp to youth camp and service to service and youth conference to youth conference that's fine and that's your prerogative if you're just chasing the spiritual high it won't last But if that's what you choose to do for your life, that's on you. But as for me, I am going to build a foundation. I am gonna put the work in right now so that when the storms of life do come and the enemy begins to fight me and I feel like I don't have anywhere else to go, I do not have to fear because I know that the greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I don't have to run to a God that I don't know because I'm running to my Father who I speak to. commit ourselves to building a foundation that will get us through the hell that Satan wants to throw at you you have to make up in your mind no matter what situation arises no matter the crisis no matter the problem at home no matter the chaos or the dysfunction or the hurt that's in your life I'm gonna build a foundation that I am not determined by what other people say I am Yeah. I am not called because I am qualified I am qualified because I am If you want victory tonight, I wish there'd be one person who'd be honest enough to raise your hands to heaven and say, I'm facing something. I don't know how I'm gonna get through it. I need God to show up. I need victory in my life. Good news, they're about to sing about victory. If you need something, if you've got an issue in your life and you don't know how it's gonna work out, I invite you to this altar right now to claim your victory because I promise you, if you take one step forward in faith, God will meet you where you're at. So right now, all across this place, lift your hands and begin to cry out for that victory because I promise your victory is in this room tonight.
1: Praise the Lord. Love him for just a little bit more. Are you thankful for everything he's done in your life? You feel the sweet presence of deliverance here right now. All of the pain represented in the front here, all the things you've gone through, do you feel that starting to come up? Do you feel the pressure starting to be relieved? I want you to know that tonight Jesus Christ is here. And there is nothing that cannot be mended when his hands are involved. There is no brokenness represented in this room right now that Jesus Christ cannot heal. I want you to return to your seats. We've gotta cover a lot of ground, but I want you to know that Jesus is ready to work in your situation, your life, right now. As you return to your seats, I need to let you know that my name is Cullen. I am thankful for the cheer. Makes me feel comfy. The reason I have to tell you who I am is because I need to identify myself as a weirdo you will know that I am unorthodox, I am not normal, this will not be traditional. By the way, you can be seated. Step one, see? You're already getting there. i who is this guy? But first, I do not want to break certain traditions, and so I would like to say, Pastor Bland, I'm very thankful for being here and for your invitation. I have never been pastored by you directly, I did not have that honor. But I wanted to let you know that your words in the classroom have pastored me for years. And I'm very thankful for your integrity and what you do in the kingdom of God. And Brother Kirk, what a powerful word from somebody who has lived it. I'm proud of you, good man. And lastly, to the sunshine in the room, the hottest woman sitting right here. You got more fans than I do, that's how it should be. The love of my life, in case y'all didn't know, we're married. So now we got all of the important stuff out of the way. Now I see the look in your eye, you're already worried. You're wondering what is this guy doing back here? He's supposed to stay up front. I am a college professor. And so I know the only way for y'all to stay awake is if I invade your space. You're doomed. Young man, what is your name? Winston, I saw you worshiping and I was moved. I believe the Lord has a call on your life. I believe God's gonna do something very real in your life. I believe that, Winston. I have a very important message to talk to you about today and that is witchcraft. But before we get into witchcraft, we need to have a little bit of fun. And so I want you to turn to your neighbor and I need you to tell them you are a minister. Tell them, mean it, look them right in the eye, tell them you are a minister. Now, the thing is, is that in order to be a minister, do you know what a minister is? A minister means you've got to be a servant. A servant. That means that you serve people, in case you didn't get that. You do things for other people, you live for other people. So, the person who just turned to you and said, Hey, you're a minister, it wasn't a compliment. You are a servant. By choice. Now, the reason I can say with confidence that all of you in here are ministers is because do you not consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Now, didn't Jesus tell his disciples that if you are my disciple, then go make disciples? And do you know that the majority of disciples are not made with a pulpit? A lot happens with a pulpit and an altar, but more happens... When every single one of us own our role as a servant to disciple other people. Now that is a very hard job and you want to invest a lot of time in that, a lot of effort. And sometimes it can be dangerous because you invest so much effort and thought and emotion into being a minister. Oh, Should get a little too big for your britches. And so now I need you to turn to that same person that you complimented a moment ago. And with every serious bone in your body, I need you to make direct eye contact and tell them, get over yourself. Just get over yourself. Now there's some couples I see in the room that have been waiting a long time to say that. I'm glad that I could be a minister for you today and you could say that. You should probably make a habit of waking up every single morning and looking in the mirror before you do anything else. Look in the mirror and say it with everything you've got. Cullen, get over yourself. Now, you want to know why that is a good habit to have? There is no repentance without humor. And that's because there's no humility without humor. You take yourself too seriously, and that's when pride gets in. And it's really hard to repent when you're prideful. It's really hard to say, I'm sorry, and I was wrong, when you're prideful. Sometimes you just got to lower the stakes and you got to realize God made me. I did not make God. God made this world. I'm just a speck in it. I'm just a small moment of time. I am not going to live past this century. I am just here for a moment to serve in a much greater, bigger picture. You got to see how goofy we are sometimes. We think we're real big and bad but we're just a small little speck. Yeah. If you can get that locked in, everything else is good. Now this is what happens right from the beginning of the Bible. Right from the beginning, I need you to be a volunteer. What is your name? TJ, TJ I volunteered you, please stand. <laughs> now TJ, I need you to serve a very important role in this story. So I need you to put one arm out here. I need you to put one arm right here. They need to be, don't look even. Yeah, you gotta have, you know. And if you can get this hand to kind of like spread out your fingers, kind of funky looking. Okay. I think we got it. You are a tree. <laughs> don't move. Hello. I would like to volunteer you also. And you. Now, in case you don't realize where this is going, we have our good friends, give them a hand, Adam and Eve. (laughs) And don't worry, Adam and Eve, they didn't really have a choice either. (laughs) So Eve is walking through the garden one day and she spots this tree. Wow, what a tree say that, you say, wow, wow, what a tree. tree." And the devil, I don't want to insult anybody, so I'll be the devil today. The devil makes a very specific type of temptation, a request, a statement. Has God said that you can't eat of any of the trees of the garden? And Eve says, ha ha, I know this trick. We can eat of all the trees. All of them. Look at all these trees. Wow. You need of all the trees, except for this bad boy right here. Can't eat, touch, nothing. Now, what does the serpent say? What is the crucial thing that the serpent says? Let's package it all up because we've got to save time here. The devil tempts Eve by questioning Her relationship with God. What he said in essence is God is holding out on you. He said, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. And that is why God told you not to eat of it. He is actually scared that you'll be like him. Now, do you really want to serve? I'm back in my devil mode right here. Do you really want to serve a God who is holding out on you. He's got all kinds of great things he could give you. And he's actually saving the best for himself. What a selfish God. You don't want to serve that God. Mm -hmm. So, she takes to the tree, fell to temptation, brings it over to her man, Adam. (laughs) Adam eats. And then this is where pride steps in. And you want to notice the the human reaction, God is questioning, and, and Eve says, "The devil made me do it." He made me do it The devil made me do it. Now how many of you have blamed all your problems on the devil? But also, you ever notice what Adam says? He says, "The woman. that you gave me. Isn't it interesting that whenever we're caught in a corner, usually our reactions are one of two. We either blame the devil or we blame God. The serpent made me do it. The woman that you gave me made me do it. But never actually getting right to the point cutting through all the pride and saying, I'm responsible. Give him a hand. Y'all can be seated. (laughs) What you just witnessed, very simple form, is idolatry. It doesn't matter the category. It can be uh, you can make a sin out of almost anything by simply elevating it above God. As soon as you are unwilling to repent, you have practiced idolatry. As soon as you are unwilling to take responsibility for your sin, you are practicing idolatry. Now I wanna talk about a very specific form of idolatry tonight, and that is witchcraft. I told you, I was gonna get around to it. I wanna talk about magic, but I wanna talk about it throughout the entire Bible. Have you ever noticed all of the magic in the Bible? Maybe you need to read some more. There's a lot of magic in the Bible. Hocus-pocus type of stuff. Bippity-boppity-boo. There is magic. The Witch of Endor. You ever heard of the Witch of Endor? It's in there. Now, I've got to say, how many in here have been filled with the Holy Ghost? Okay, a good number of you. I love doing this kind of thing, Pastor. Whenever you get people to raise their hand and then they're trapped. (laughs) You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you realize how weird that is? I'm not not questioning the authority of God and how wonderful it is. But do you realize that you threw your hands in the air and started speaking in a language you did not know? Have you ever thought about how odd that is? Something supernatural, meaning not natural. Now, the reason I have to point this out is because we are Bible believers, yes? That is why we believe that you should receive the Holy Ghost. It is for everybody. So we read that and we experience it and it's a wonderful thing. But if we are going to read just portions, we may be in danger. We just wanna read the really cool stuff, the really cool supernatural things that are good. Maybe not contemplate the bad stuff. Maybe not put ourselves in the position of the bad character. Ever considered that? But if I have a conviction that whatever I read in the Bible is true and real, then I also have to wrestle with the idea that witches are real. Now, some people will write this off and they say, well, that's just weird stuff. That was back in the day, they were just ancient and dumb. That's why they wrote it, but it's in the Bible. See, you're trapped. You raised your hand, you did the weird thing, you were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's just as weird as somebody being a sorcerer. It's supernatural. So I must conclude that witches are real. Witchcraft is real. Magic is real. But what is magic? That's my question for you tonight. Taking notes, write it down. What is magic? Oh, I feel comfy. This is like a classroom. They've got notepads. Y'all probably take better notes than my students. I hope they're watching this somewhere. Give every jab I can. What is magic? What is the point? Do you know that God says magic is an abomination? Do you know that he condemns every type of magic? What is magic? And why does God hate it so much? Why? Why? What's wrong with it? It's actually the exact same reason that Eve was committing idolatry. Anything that you do to try to bypass submission to God could be categorized as witchcraft. Anything that you do to try to shortcut God and his will in your life, that's witchcraft. You can take anything that is good. You can take anything that is wonderful. Anything that God created. And you can corrupt it simply by using it for your own gain out of the will of God. There are good things in the world that can become evil if you're using them to bypass God. Do you know that even using the name of Jesus can be wrong? This is in Acts. The seven sons of Sceva. They think it's just a magic trick. They think it's just A formula. We want to kick you out by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Hoorah. And the devils look and they say, we don't know you. We know Jesus and we know Paul. I don't know who you think you are. They should have had a friend that was looking over at him and saying, get over yourself. That's what they needed in that time. They needed a little bit of humility to stop and wonder, is this a power that we should treat with care, submission, and relationship? See, the only way you're going to be fulfilled in life, this is the lie that everybody tells you in the world, find fulfillment here. Find healing here. Find purpose here. The only way you're going to actually find all of that is in submission to the will of God. is the only way you are going to find any of that is doing what he desires at the time he desires. And so we like to think of ourselves in this western world as really intelligent people. We have completely explained away magic and all the witchcraft. We have done away with it. It's not a problem for us because we know science. We can explain everything. But could it be that There are some in here right now that are practicing witchcraft in the way that the Bible describes. What would modern Western witchcraft look like? What would it look like for a sorcerer to be walking among us in these days? What what does that look like? It's not somebody with a pointy hat. It's not somebody with a wand. It's somebody who finds their fullness and their wholeness in addiction rather than God. It's somebody who finds the healing for the abuse that happened in their life in a drug instead of in submission to God. Now I'm about to rip off a really big Band-Aid. And the reason I feel the Lord doing this is because I'm not going to hold back because the world is not holding back on all of you right now. The world is not holding back on you at all. There are many of you in here right now that have been abused physically, verbally. There are those in here right now that have stumbled along the way and they have found their way into pornography addiction, found their way into some kind of drug addiction. Maybe you just hide that vape device in your pocket. Maybe nobody knows about it. Maybe you just accept whatever label the school will give you so that you can get some more prescription drugs to actually numb yourself to growing and dealing with the pain in your life. Maybe you have decided to settle these things by displaying your body. Maybe you were not loved. And so your magic is the affirmation you get when you post for other people to praise and to see. Maybe it's the release that you actually get when you go home and you cut All ways that we can bypass a real healing. Do you know that the crazy thing of the story of Adam and Eve is that there's no indication that God was ever holding out on them. There's no indication that God was ever holding anything back. It was a complete lie from the enemy. He actually had a second tree, the tree of life. And that's what he wanted to give them. You notice there wasn't any rules about that one. Just about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when humans made their dumb mistake, you notice what God does? He goes and gets a guard dog, a real big angel. And he says, Watch the door. And make sure they don't go in there and eat of the tree of life. Why? Because while the world may lie to you, the Lord does not want you to be stuck and your brokenness for all eternity. There are things that have happened to you. And if we're not careful, we sometimes build up our suffering because we're trying to satisfy, we want some kind of justice. We promote our suffering and we promote our pain because we want it to be validated, because something was done to us. But if you celebrate your suffering, and if you praise your suffering, what are you actually doing? Are you being healed? Are you being validated? Or are you simply practicing idolatry? The only suffering that is worthy of praise. The suffering in our life happened to us. Mistakes, bad choices, other individuals. But the only praise that's worthy, or the only suffering that's worthy of praise is the one who chose to bear are suffering. Paul says that you will only be justified in Christ, not yourself. Now, this is part 1. I just preached an entire message. But before we move on, I need to pull together some things and I need us to pray because I was serious about what I had you tell your neighbor and that is that you are a minister. There is a broken world all around us and you're going to need to go out into the field but I'm not gonna send you out there broken. And so all of the things that I just described, forms of idolatry And those of you that are willing to actually cry out to the Lord and give up your side practice, you know what I mean. Those of you who are willing to worship more than just Sunday, but you actually wanna change, that you actually wanna be healed, that you actually want to stop going to the counselor every single week, That you actually want your body and soul and spirit to be whole. That you don't need to cut corners and find an alternative. That you don't need these other things in life. Right now we're going to pray. And we're going to call on the name of the Lord for deliverance. We're going to pray that every form of idolatry would be gone from this room that there would be nothing but humble repentant hearts here tonight I want you to pray right where you are you don't have to stand, you can turn and kneel you can raise your hands, you can do what you want but we are going to pray and the spirit of the Lord is going to begin to speak to you and whatever God puts in your mind to start repenting of and to lay aside, I want you to make commitments right now to the Lord, and watch what he does to your heart right now. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you right now in humility because, God, we know before anything else that we can say that every good thing in our life is actually from you. And so, Jesus, knowing that you have, despite our best efforts, knowing that you have been nothing but good to us, God, we come to you humbly with repentance in our heart. God, we ask that you would actually pull from our hearts these past sins and addictions. Jesus, these things that we have resorted to, God, we lay them here right now. God, we want you to justify us, make us righteous right here, right now. And so Lord Jesus, I call down your blessings on your people. Jesus, that you see us. God, right now, I bind every abusive heart in this room. Jesus, every father, every mother that has abused one of these loved ones, Jesus, I want you to rip abuse out of their heart right now. God, I want hatred to be gone from every person in this room. Jesus, we bind addiction of every kind. Jesus, we bind the temptation for any type of drug, for any type of high, any type of low. Jesus, any kind of pornography, in the name of Jesus, we bind it right now. Jesus, we bind anxiety. We will not be crippled by any kind of pressure because of a glass house put on us by social media. Jesus, we bind depression right now. Jesus, that there will not be any kind of suicidal thoughts. There will not be any kind of self-harm among these loved ones. Jesus, right now, we cry out to you. Let their hearts be healed. Jesus, let their hearts be healed. These so if you have to find a place for privacy you can do it but you need to confess your sin before the lord so that you can be healed you need to find a place where you can be free with the lord right now and confess god i've tried it different ways but jesus i want you to be my only dependent today jesus i want you to be the only thing that i depend on and look to right now Jesus, deliver me. Jesus. We're going to follow the will of the Lord right now, and I am not trying to stifle anything, and repentance can continue to happen right now as we talk. I am not bothered. You can cry out to the Lord as we continue here. But I need to get to my text. So, I am turning in my Bible to Luke chapter 4. Verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book... He found the place where it was written. So this is Jesus. He takes a text from Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And what does it say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's an exciting passage that is, wow, I want to live there. I want to be part of it. And then Jesus, now you got to get the picture. Nobody thought of him as God yet. Well, I mean, Mary, Mary knew about it, but he's, he's a new kid. He's going back to Nazareth and he just got up and read this prophecy. And then He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What? Let me try to put that in more modern terms. This dude that nobody really knows, they don't think of him. We know the end of the story. They don't think of him as God. They don't know that he is God incarnate, and he just got up and read a prophecy. That's nice. He read a prophecy about the future, the Messiah. Cool. But then he gets down and he says, that's me. Now, what would y'all's reaction be to anybody in this room right now that got up and said, I'm the Messiah? What a moment. He kicks off his ministry. But think about it. He says, today, today, this is fulfilled. Today, this is fulfilled. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not really good at math. But I am good enough to know that that day was a long time ago. Long, 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 long. And so if it was fulfilled way back then, and Jesus has not returned, then that means that day is still this day. And he had a really good scheme. He's just one dude. But he made disciples and told the disciples to make disciples. All of you are disciples. So now I want you to turn to the person next to you. This is a restart. I want you to say, "You are a minister. You are a minister." I have absolutely no doubt not because I know all of you, but because I know God. I have absolutely no doubt that every single one of you in here right now can be used by Jesus Christ to not only preach deliverance to yourself, but to also proclaim this day for all those around you in your schools, in your homes. You are all ministers. And I think it's time that if the world's going to be bold, why don't you be bold? If the world's going to start preaching what they believe, why don't we start preaching what we believe? Yeah. What is your name? Yeah. It's nice to meet you. I want you to know that the Lord has a calling on your life. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I don't know if you've ever considered it. And I don't know what kind of life you've had up to this moment. But what I do know is that you have been made righteous by Jesus Christ. And that's good news, because that means from this day forward, if you are willing to be a minister, I speak over you right now that people can be healed when you cry out to the Lord for them. I believe right now that you can be a preacher. I mean that. You have a call of God on your life. You ever thought about what would happen if all of you really made up your mind to be ministers? ever thought about that? You ever seen you know, we have these special ministers sometimes, and they walk up here, and the Lord uses them in such mighty ways. Maybe they have a gift of healing or, or something like that, and, and they, they do things, and it's, it's incredible. But have you ever walked away from a service like that and thought, well, that's not me. And so then we just have to wait for the next special minister to come by. How many of you do you think is in here right now? Somebody give me a good guess. How many many people do you think are in here? What's your guess? 200? What's your guess? 300? 330? You said 330? 230? Somewhere in the hundreds. 500. There we go. A woman of faith. 500. I don't know. I told you I'm bad at math. But let's take the lowest one, the 200. You realize that that's 200 special ministers if all of you took on the challenge. You realize that that's over 200 ministers that could walk humbly with the Lord and when they lay hands on people and they pray in submission to God that homes are put back together that abuse is over, that addiction is gone, that that day will be a reality in this world. Have you ever thought of yourself as being able to do that? I do think it's possible. I do think it's possible. I want you to take a moment. This is where we're going to end here. We're starting to land this plane. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about the craziest, craziest scenario. Okay? If God could use you in any gift of the Spirit that you wanted, what would it be? Okay? If you could be used in any supernatural way by God, what would it be? And I'm not talking about just the traditional ones you see in the New Testament, but any supernatural thing that the Lord could do through you. Take just a moment here. Think about that. What would it be? Y'all are looking at me. I mean that. Think about it. What kind of special minister would you be? You know, Paul says that you should covet spiritual gifts. You should pursue them. You should be eager about them, want them. Now remember, we got to stay humble, get over yourself. If you're going to want supernatural power, it can't be about you. But you do get to daydream about being used by God. You do get to do that, to think, what would it be like if God used me in that way? So the title for my message tonight is Preaching to Witches. See, they were ready. Y'all thought this was all just off the cuff preaching to witches. I described witchcraft for you. I'm not naive enough to think that the world's tactics and pagan altars have not made its way into the church. We've got to repent and we've got to be delivered. But more importantly, we've got to preach. We live in a world full of Idolatry, And we live in a world full of all kinds of evil practices, all kinds of alternatives, all kinds of second options to God. And they're all broken systems. All of you have friends that aren't here right now. All of you have friends that you go to school with. All of you have friends that you have talked with them about the things that have happened To them and in their house and the things that they're struggling with in an ongoing way. They are suffering from the idolatry in our world. And so you got to preach to them. You. I'm not just using you as a leader. You've got to preach to them. Now that can be very intimidating. There was a young minister that Paul said the same thing to. So I want to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter three. And just check out how weird this is. It sounds just like our world today. Just think about it. 2 Timothy chapter three, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, this is what he's telling the young minister, from such people, turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, those are the magicians in Pharaoh's court when Moses was going toe to toe with Pharaoh. Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So you think of Egypt, the power of God won over the power of the magicians. That's what Paul was saying. Verse 10, but you have carefully followed. Now say, that's me. It's me. me. We're talking to you. You're all young ministers. That's me. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Ain't that good news? The Lord will deliver you out of your persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And here we go. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What does all that mean? What is all of that? The world around you getting worse and worse and worse. It seems like there is a standoff between good and evil. You may be wondering what's happening. Where is God in all of this? It's okay, he's gonna deliver in persecution. But what is the answer to all of the problems that you see around you? What is going to solve this in the world? Preach the word. Now preaching, as I've said, is more than just the pulpit. Preaching is a life. Preaching is a walk. Preaching is a testimony of what the Lord has done in your life. And preaching has signs that follow. I want everybody to stand. When you were daydreaming just a moment ago, what kind of minister did you wanna be? One that uplifts people. That uplifts people. What is your name? Grantlin. Grantlin? Yes. Sir. Cullen, it's nice to meet you. Grantlin, I want you to know. I I don't care what kind of lie anybody has ever tried to tell you. You have everything you need. You are equipped. You are ready to preach. And when you preach, the Spirit of the Lord is going to be with you as you approach any conversation in humility. And I believe that people are gonna walk away from you with their hearts uplifted. More importantly, they're gonna walk away with their hearts directed towards God, because you're gonna be a living testimony to them. I believe that. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to ask them what kind of minister they wanna be. What kind of gift of the spirit do they wanna be used in? you hear all of the incredible ministries all around you? Do you realize the incredible force that is in this room, the, the hearts that can be used by God? I now want you to turn to that person, and if they need to keep sharing, they can. They can tell you. They can finish what their ministry is. But when they finish, I then want you to take them by the hand. And in faith, I want you to speak that ministry into existence in their life. I want you to tell them that they can I want you to encourage your brother or sister right now. It could be a spiritual gift. It can be a certain kind of ministry. Whatever the case may be, I want you to speak faith into that ministry right now. Look them in the eye. Don't be bashful. Don't be scared to say it. The Lord's going to do things in your lives. Jesus, I bind every spirit of doubt in this room. God, I bind any fear in this room. Jesus, I bind any pride in this room. Lord, that we could set aside every weight, we could set aside every temptation, we could stop trying to cut corners, we could stop living for ourselves. Jesus, I want you to empower every single one of these young people in this room right now to go out into the world and preach, Jesus, that you would equip them right now with wisdom. Lord, that you would give them a burden to study your word, that they would be ready in season and out of season. God, that they would be ready and bold and confident to speak, to rebuke, to exhort, to uplift, to show love, to live as a disciple, to make disciples, Jesus. God, that where they go right now, I speak that where they go, God, your presence is going to be with them. And Jesus, as your name is proclaimed by them, as you give them the power to preach and to speak with boldness, God, there are going to be those that are delivered in their ministry. There is not a single one of them in this room right now, God, that you have not blessed with a gift there is not a single one of them in this room right now Lord that you have not given a call to and so Jesus we speak life into those callings right now in a broken world full of idolatry full of all kinds of corner cutting and witchcraft Jesus that there wouldn't be any second options with these young people Jesus we pray And we cry out to you, Jesus, that there would be only one way in this world. That they would preach only one way. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. This is important and this is our final step and this is the altar call. You have proclaimed with faith some type of ministry. You have been affirmed in that. I believe that the Lord loves your dreams. It was preached last night that you are good. God made you very good. God has given you good dreams. And I hope those have been affirmed tonight. But now, the rubber meets the road. I want you to take a moment. Just ask the Lord to use you and where you need to be used in this room right now. And the Lord is going to be moving among us, operating. But I don't want you to doubt your age, if you're young. I don't want you to doubt based on your past, anything that you think, but I want you to scan the room and I want you to be sensitive to the Lord and just ask the Lord, who would you like me to pray for? Who do you want me to speak into today? If there's anybody that wanted to be used in the gift of healing, you can do that right now. If there's anybody that wanted to be used in a gift of wisdom or knowledge, you can do that right now. If there's anybody that wanted to be used in the gift of tongues and interpretation, you can do that right now as we pray. There is not anything off limits in this room right now, and I say that with confidence. I'm watching. Brother Bland's watching. We've got other ministers in here. Nothing's going to be crazy. You are free to be used by God. To go out in faith and be used in the things that you just said that you would love to be used in. Now, do you believe that? You believe that God can use you right now? Okay, we're gonna start praying. And here's the number one rule. Okay, are you ready for this? This is the number, you cannot break this rule that I. This is my one rule. In this moment, as we begin to pray, you are not allowed to pray for yourself. You're not gonna be used by God if your attention is only on you, okay? If you really wanna be used by God in this moment, if you really wanna be a minister, you gotta have your eyes on everybody else. So the one rule is you can't pray for yourself. Can you handle to that? Y'all ready? Okay, you are free to move around this room You don't have to stay where you are. Go where you want. There's not gonna be music. We're just gonna pray. Everybody's just gonna pray. Are you all ready? Let's pray. Jesus, right now we call down your blessings on your people. Jesus, I want you to begin to speak to every single one of these young men and women. Jesus, I want you to start giving them words Jesus, I want you to lead them in compassion towards one another. Jesus, I want you to give them boldness that when you give them a word to speak to their brother or sister that they do it in faith. Jesus, if there is someone here that needs to be filled with your spirit, send a minister to them to pray with them and to lead them and to help them. Jesus, right now, if there is any message that you need to give to this congregation, we submit ourselves to you to hear from any kind of gift that you would deliver it through. Jesus, right now, if there are those that need to be healed, send them a minister. Jesus, if there are those in here right now that need to be delivered, send them a minister. Let us be sensitive to your spirit right now, Jesus, to be used by you. Don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to put your hands on somebody's head and pray with faith and confidence. Don't be afraid to declare the name of the Lord over somebody. Your humility will show forth. We're not here to show off. We're here to be used by God for needs that need to be healed. You can be used multiple times tonight. If you've prayed for one person, ask the Lord to send you to another one. If you've prayed for one person, go pray for another person. Just continue to pray for one another. Let the Lord lead you to speak into one another's lives. Maybe you ask the Lord to be used in a gift of healing. If you want to be a minister that is used by God in healing, I would like for you to come up to the front with me. For just a moment, I would like to talk with you. All of these that are lining up right here at the front are wanting to be used in the gift of healing by God. And they're here right now with the confidence to be used by God. If you have any sickness in your body, if you have any kind of disease, if you have anything that you need to be healed from, I want to invite you to come and be prayed for by one of these young people. The Spirit of the Lord will heal you The Spirit of the Lord is here, and these are willing and humble. If you need healing in your body right now, you can come and be used by these that are here. if you told the Lord that you wanted to be a minister that taught Bible studies, if you wanna be a teacher, if you wanna be somebody that opens up the word to the Lord, I want you to come meet me up here at the front on this side of the altar. Bible study teachers, those who want to disciple people in their church, come up to the front. You want to start a P7 Club, maybe you already teach a P7 Club, a CMI, anybody that wants to be a teacher, come meet me up here at the front. I want you all If you wanted to be a pastoral minister, if you wanted to be some type of pastor, I want you to come over here and meet me right now, over on this far side of the platform. If you wanna be a pastor, if you feel that you want to be that type of minister, doesn't matter if you're male or female right now, you can come over here. If you feel that you want to be a pastoral minister, Find somebody and ask them what their calling is. Ask them what kind of minister they want to be. And then I want you to prophesy into their life. I want you to let the Lord speak through you. I want you to bless them. I want you to prophesy in their life of what kind of minister they can be. What the Lord would like to do in their life. If you are still needing deliverance if you want to pray for deliverance if you want to pray repentance you can do that right now wherever you are find somebody to pray with continue to affirm one another in your callings continue to be used in those ministries that the lord has laid on your heart don't be bashful be bold be confident that the lord will use you you are free to pray here as long as you want you can continue to pray here as long as you want